Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Switch Sport Basketball Podcast. My name is Ethan Horton. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very interesting guest. He's part of one of the, well, what we call the Big Three in Birmingham Basketball Club. He is the coach of the Birmingham Mets, and his name is Stephen Barnes. Thank you, Stephen, for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Stephen, I just wanted to ask, coaching, how did you first get into it? What was your first inspiration? It wasn't really an inspiration as such. It was more of a natural progression. Growing up in Birmingham, I was one of the fortunate ones to come through Birmingham Bullets in its heyday in terms of the junior program, fortunate enough to play for the senior men's team. And during that point, part of your contract for playing for the senior men was you had to go into schools and do coaching. And that's kind of where my coaching journey began. So I got, I got a foundation of it then. Obviously, I'd been over in America, went to NCA Division One, And when I came out of there and went to play professionally, that was generally part of your contract that you had to go and do a lot of publicity work, which generally involved coaching in different environments. And yeah, I was fortunate enough to, when I came back to the UK after my career, the first year back, I came back to get a teaching degree. It's kind of a weird story. I was only coming back for a season. I then again played for Birmingham Bullets. I believe it was in its last year or last, no, two years before the the franchise finished. I came back for a season. And during that season, I got into coaching uh, a basketball academy that was at UCB. So, yeah, I went there, created an academy, kind of like a a high school program, but for 16 to 19-year-olds. And I believe I was one of the original startups of the academy model in this city. Not the first, but one of the few. and. We went from there, really, and that's where my coaching journey began as I started that academy at UCB. And it kind of went from there. I went from there, running the academy, started coaching the West Midlands regional team. We actually won the under-17s national championship with the regional team. So we were the best in the UK. So I did that for a number of years. Based on that, I was looked at to be part of the national team program. I went to coach Tim Lewis, assisted him with the under-20s of the GB men. And then over the course of that period, I've stayed in the national team, done six years in there. I've coached under-18s, went to the European Championships um, in Israel. And at the time, we had the highest finish of any under-18 team. We finished sixth in that campaign. I then on head coach the under-17s England boys, or men, and did that for three years, which is more of a development pathway kind of thing. But um, I think it's really important the younger you get to how much help and guidance that you need to show the young individuals to actually get to the higher levels of the national team rank. So I always got a lot out of working in that environment just because of the mindset of the people who are coming to that environment. They're a lot more professional and they're a higher caliber of player, skill level, mindset, physicality, 
all the elements that make up a more complete player. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that. Got involved with obviously while that's happening because the national team stuff is just in the summers primarily in terms of the campaigns. So obviously got into club coaching. I've coached for pretty much all the clubs. I started uh, my own club, to be fair, when I was based at the academy at UCB. And I started a club there with Birmingham Breakers, which was primarily just for the kids who were in the program, basically, as an extension. We went National League the first year I started it straight away, I believe. I think we won the, the Midlands under 18s which then got us looked at from COB. So we, I dabbled with COB for a season, then moved on, went to work with uh, Birmingham A's at the time, which is now Team Birmingham. Stayed with them for a couple seasons, then moved on, went to coaching Derby Division One with the late Clarence Wiggins, great man. Stayed there for a season and just felt there needed to be something more something I was missing. So I took lots of bits and pieces from the clubs I had worked with to that point. And after coaching at Derby, I got offered to coach the Division One team the following season I was there. But I decided that I needed something more. And so I created the club Birmingham Mets off the back of my experiences with the other clubs I had worked with. And yeah, that's how Birmingham Mets came into existence. And I also took the academy. I started a basketball academy at Sutton Coalfield College at the time, which then turned into Birmingham Metropolitan College as it grew and merged with other institutions. And yeah, we've been there ever since and gone from strength to strength. You've played under probably a lot of good coaches. You mentioned the NCAA and that you did a little bit of coaching before you took it full time. Was there any coach maybe that kind of inspire you to take it further maybe was there any great coach that you kind of took some hints or tricks from yeah I mean coaching is is very subjective uh, as a player and then when you actually become a coach you realize things that you didn't have a perspective for as a player um, which is really interesting to be on both sides as a, as a as a player myself and then to be a coach so you get to see things from both angles, if that makes any sense. Uh, early in my years, before I went to the America, I was coached by the late, great Dave Fisher. And coming up with juniors with Birmingham Bullets and whatnot and the regional teams at the time then, we had great success winning national championships. So he was quite a big influence in my early days before I went to America. He was very much a disciplinarian. I was very stubborn as a younger kid. So he used to scream my name an awful lot, <laughs> an awful lot. But now I, I appreciate that because it meant that he actually cared. And at the time, I didn't appreciate it, but I wasn't mature enough to understand what was going on. Uh, in the States, I've, I've had quite a few really good coaches. Gene Smithson, Dan Sparks, who was a close friend to Bobby Knight. So I was always in and around that environment. I started my journey in Indiana. So I was 30 minutes away from Indiana, the Hoosers. I used to go down and watch their practices, see him throw chairs across the floor, that type of stuff. 
which I thought was really interesting. And I've took a lot from the coaches that I've had. Obviously, playing in Division One, you come across a lot of great coaches in the states, and also some 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 really disciplinarians. All, all coaches are different. The good coaches can relate to the players that they have and change their philosophies in relation to their players. But that depends on the program where you're at in America. Some coaches in the States are very much, this is the way I am. This is my program. You either fit the mold or you got to go somewhere else. So I've took a lot from my journey, if you like, through England, the U.S. system, then playing in Europe myself as a professional and as a coach coaching the national team in european campaigns i've took a lot from the coach community and i've tried to take you can learn something from everybody from every coach i've had i can learn something i might not have liked them at the time or i might have loved them at the time but i've still managed to take a little piece of that to help form my philosophy and to help develop me as a person and i try and give that back to everybody I work with and everybody in my club from the senior men to the younger kids to help them be better players on and off the floor kind of thing. So a question that I find quite interesting was that you said you founded the Birmingham Mets. And I think obviously huge part is that maybe people are thinking about founding their own club or thinking about joining a club. How hard was it in the beginning? What was your kind of experience starting up a club inside of Birmingham, would you say? I feel as though at the time it, is quite, it was quite difficult. There's a lot of competition, especially now in Birmingham. People have a lot of, in terms of a younger person coming up in Birmingham, now you have a lot of opportunities, a lot of choice of where you want to play. So, yeah, it was quite difficult in terms of getting the numbers. But once you put a decent product on the floor and people see that and people see how quickly they can develop, that can change very quickly to becoming something that is gone from being performance, being development, developmental based to a performance program. I was very fortunate uh, when I first started my academy at UCB, we won very quickly. And when I created the club, our first National League men's team was in essence, and it always has been, to be fair, an outlet for my academy. So the whole National League Club, to be fair, was was based around the academy that, that I had in place. So I, I just wanted an environment which I felt was of the most benefit to the kids that were at my program. I've never stopped any kid who was at my academy. If he wants to go and play for another club in Birmingham, no problem. They're allowed to do that. I've never been a coach who believes that my way is the best way. I believe in my product. I believe I have a lot of experience. However, I also know that kids need to have experience of being coached by other coaches. So that's going to happen if, they, if they're going to progress and they're going to develop as players, go on to play for regional, go on to play for their country. They're going to have other coaches go to play professionally. So I can't just keep them in my little bubble, if that makes any sense to you. So, yeah, the going back to my original model of the club, the senior men, it was literally like six academy kids who were under 18s at the time and six men who were older than 18. 
and the plan was they would give that experience back the uncalled experience of being an older player um, wisdom guidance that type of stuff again getting a different voice saying giving that experience back on the court while i'm on the sideline telling them whatever i'm telling them so and the model worked really well again i was fortunate enough to have quite a lot of success quickly with the club uh, especially with the senior men which was based on the academy team let's not forget that so it was made up of college kids our first season i think we went undefeated we won the league we won the cup this is nationally by the way the league was regionally the cup was a national cup and we lost in the playoff final in our first season to a team we'd already beat twice in the in the league so go figure so i think we finished the season 18 and 1 we got promoted then to division 3 there was four divisions at the time then again the same season same model same players maybe added one or two kids and same team same six seniors though and we had another successful, successful season. We won the league. I think that year we won the playoffs, but we lost in the cup final, which is interesting. But anyway, we had another productive season. So we got promoted again to Division Two, And with the same bunch of people, different kids, because obviously kids grow and move on. But those same six individual senior men, we, we think we finished fourth. We made the playoffs in Division Two. Um, so the model really worked. So we had a really good campaign. And we've kind of followed that model ever since. Talk about success. You're currently in the men's third division of the NBL West Midlands division. What's your opinion on your men's team and going into the future? What do you expect? I mean, we have some really good men, to be fair. And we're capable of winning the league without a question. We could have won it last season comfortably, I feel. We still have the mixture of the academy kids being part of the program. So it's never just all senior men. Last season was a difficult one for us because we had four guys, four of the senior men who had babies during the season. So obviously they needed time off to be with their family, whatever. And that obviously affected commitment, chemistry, all that type of stuff. So we lost quite, you know, we lost a few games that we shouldn't have lost. Um, that would have made a difference to the overall standings, if you like. But I still wasn't disappointed because obviously in that environment, having four people who were away for significant amounts of time, we still had opportunities for other people, more of our academy players to step up and experience and embrace the environment and get an opportunity to grow and learn. So yeah, moving forward, obviously this season is just chaos with you know, the whole pandemic thing, but we'll leave that one alone. I definitely think that with the right mindset, we could easily compete for championship honours next season or depending on what happens for the rest of this season. So talk about the current COVID situation. How are you planning on keeping the club going or how are you keeping the club going and the players ready during this current situation that we're in? and going into next season as well? As I've said, the club is primarily, and that always has been really for the kids who are at my, the academy. So fortunately enough, in the academic environment, we're still allowed to practice and train. So in regards to that element of it, the kids are still training 
I'm still improving, still trying to get better. In terms of the other half of it, because adults are not allowed to do anything, it's quite difficult. Obviously, we engage off the court through, you know, social media platforms to try and keep everybody involved, keep them updated about what's going on on the national setting. But yeah, it's been really, really, really difficult to keep people engaged. Obviously, we're still doing bits and pieces, you know, WhatsApp, we have Zoom calls, that type of stuff. But none of that compares to actually being on the floor and and growing and having that chemistry with your fellow teammates. Absolutely. And another question is that, probably you already know your answer to this, but playing so well last season, obviously you mentioned your current issues. You still managed to finish third in the division, but you finished just below fellow Birmingham team, City of Birmingham Rockets, you finished second. Finishing so close and obviously being inside of Birmingham, do you sense there's a sense of rivalry between the two teams and finishing so close together and being inside the same division? Yes, I would say there's a sense of rivalry for sure. More, not in a negative aspect though, more of a a positive environment, the challenge, the local derby, that type of stuff. So just, you know, encouraging each other to be better. Most definitely. But I enjoy that rivalry. I don't, I don't see it as a negative thing. I see it as a positive because it helps us to focus and it encourages us to be that much better. And I think the fairest question to ask, you've mentioned it a lot during the past few questions, is the Birmingham Mets Basketball Academy, which is the longest running basketball academy inside the West Midlands. How did you first get the idea for the academy? and? What to you, I know a couple of teams do it, but what to you makes Birmingham Mets one stand out to the rest of the academies out there? So our academy has been going for, this is the, like you said, the 13th year. I got the idea of the academy from being involved in the American basketball system and just saw how universities were run over there how high school was run over there and how professional the whole environment of the U.S. system is. Sport over there is taken as a business and the money involved in that can be hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on which school you're at, literally. So it's a completely different environment to basketball over in this country. And it was that experience and kind of model that I tried to bring over here. So more of a high school program in terms of, I'd say the difference between our program and other programs is just contact time. We have a lot of uncourt hours where we get to do a lot of things with the kids. We don't just train, so we can be on court or have contact time with them up to 16 hours a week, which goes alongside their Obviously, their main study, so a BTEC or an A-level or an apprenticeship. The good thing about our, our institution, Birmingham Metropolitan College, based at Sutton College, is that we offer everything. So we can cater for kids who, you know, have had a tough time at school, haven't come out with any GCSEs. We can offer them something there. We can cater for kids who've come out with, you know, 10A stars. We can even cater for kids who have done two years at another college somewhere in Birmingham but are still young enough to play. We can invite them over for their last year and they can do a foundation degree, HND, 
you know, anything like that to to get them going in terms of they can do two two more years at our college and then do a final year at a partner university to come out with a full degree and it's just a lot cheaper. So because we have such a spectrum that we can offer in terms of the educational side of things, couple that with the uncle hours, which are, you know, which are made up of weight room stuff, not just on court, so weight room, development, mindset. We do a lot of psychology because I think mentally basketball, the mental aspect of basketball is so overlooked and it's actually one of the most important areas because you look at the American system, when you watch basketball on TV, the NBA or any of the high caliber American institutions at college level, everybody's an athlete. So what makes somebody different from one player to the next when you come against your equal who's as physically strong, as quick as you, can jump as high as you, what, what makes you different? And the difference is your IQ. Once you come against your equal, you've got to be different. And to be different, you have to understand the game. And it's that understanding, that basketball IQ, which we look at a lot, break down stuff through video analysis, peer analysis. We, we cover the whole spectrum. So I think that's what makes us different from other academies in the West Midlands area, what's made us so successful in terms of the, the stuff we've won during my time there. Um, we've been quite successful in winning various pieces from national championships to a lot of regional stuff. And then there's me. Nobody, no other coach in the region has my experience in terms of being a player, in terms of playing at the level that I played at from NCAA to playing professionally for 11 years overseas to coaching with the national team, all that experience. And, uh, you know, I try and bring back to the program and give back to the kids. And, you know, I try to make them not just better players on the court, but more rounded people with better life skills and understanding of how society works and how, how, how to survive in it how to manage your academic timetable with your club commitments, with your academy commitments, just to understand and make it a professional environment. And you come to basketball academy like ours, you're coming as a professional. So you have to then develop and grow very quickly from being a kid at school to come into a program like mine where basketball you have to take basketball serious because of the commitments involved. So I think that helps them to be better people, to be a little bit more wise, to understand that how they're going to be in a professional environment, even if that's outside of basketball. How are you going to, how are you going to have this? How are you going to work? How are you going to, if you get a nine to five job, do you have the discipline to get up on time, to be on work on time, to dress accordingly, to act accordingly? Those kind of life skills are stuff that we instill in our program. and. That's why I believe why our program's been one of the longest. That plus the support we have from the college, the relationship I have with Sutton Coalfield College, my line manager there, Jason Allen, has been amazing through the time that I've had my program. Very supportive in terms of things we're trying to do, development of the kids, of the program, the direction we're trying to go in. For example, our club, Birmingham Mets, headed by myself, it was actually me who did that. I was the first club in the region and the only club in the region to apply and get granted a position with the ACE program. 
So the ACE program is an advanced apprenticeship in sporting excellence. And basically, it's equivalent to an A-level and a half academically. So made up of two MVQ elements. And it's another additional qualification and program that we ran alongside our academy and their main study. So we were equipped. This is a government-funded program, very elite. At the time, there were 16 institutions in the country. We ran our own league. So we created something called the EABL, which is like the highest level of college leagues. And kind of like a box, if you like. And yeah, so, you know, we was I was fortunate enough to put a program together, petition that, and I was granted a position so we've been kind of with them ever since since changed its name it's now dice program but we still offer that alongside all the other things that we offer at our college as well so yeah we've had a, a very good journey in the college world be that you know around the country playing against the top teams all the way down to development and you know we have we've had up to three or four boys teams at one time we also have a girls contingency. We've had up to two girls teams in the past. So we tried to cover all spectrums and everybody gets the same model. Adjustments for the levels, depending on, you know, if you're just there for participation and you just want to have experience and have fun, we cater for that too. For those who want to take it to the next level, go play professionally, go to elite university over here in the States. Maybe go overseas and play professionally. We cater to that level too. So that's what makes us different and special at the same time, I believe. So you mentioned that probably the most crucial thing is that it's much more similar to the NCAA. Your students are kind of like student athletes, which is the American term for people who focus on studies, but also academic in terms of basketball as well. I was just wondering, in terms of your experience in the NCAA, how has your experience inside of America kind of shaped you, not only in what you do now, but like post your college career going and playing professional basketball? What's been, what was that experience like moving over to America at that young age to go to college? It was eye-opening, I will say that. And it was probably one of the most mentally challenging things I ever did. At the time, before I went to America, I would arguably say I was one of the top two or three players in, in England at a junior age group. I was fortunate enough to, let's say, for example, when I played for England as a player, as a 16-year-old, I actually jumped two age groups and went to the European Championships with the under-19s at the time. And that had never been done before. When I was here with the Bullets, my you know, picture was in the paper every other week, with everything else, of course. But yeah, so I, I had somewhat of a decent caliber at the time. But when I got to America, I was very much a little fish in a big pond, where here I was a big fish in a little pond. So that was very humbling at the time, because I was just like, wow, these guys are phenomenal. And, you know, everybody can jump out of the gym. 
everybody's skill set is so high. The, the actual speed of the game is completely different. The model that, and the way the game's played is completely different. So it was my first year there was a massive adjustment for me. It was huge. And also very, very challenging in terms of the pressure involved over there is just phenomenal because I wasn't used to treating basketball as a business. And in the States, they very much run it as a business because it brings so much money to the university. It is a business. And yeah, I'd never been exposed to that kind of environment. And I really struggled mentally. I really, really struggled. Probably two or three times during my first year there, I wanted to come home. I didn't like it. I couldn't handle it. But I had certain people who worked with me. I was also not in a position to financially afford to come home from quite a deprived background growing up. So, yeah, I had to stick it out. I didn't really have any choices. And I'm glad I did, to be fair. But that environment, that mental toughness, didn't change whatever level I played at in the States. And I was fortunate enough to play at the top level all the way through and graduate with two degrees. But it took years for me to develop that strength to actually stay out there. A lot of kids have this dream of going to America. It's going to be all roses. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And actually, when you play at a decent level, and if you're actually there on scholarship and not paying your own way to go there, because any kid in England can go to America and go to university, anybody, because it's just like being an international student here. It's no different. If you're going to pay your way, you can go to any university. Any kid could go to North Carolina if they wanted to and try and walk on the team. But going there and being offered one of those 10 or 12 scholarships that they have is a huge difference and a huge pressure that comes with it. So I think that set me up, if you like, to just have a, a whole different mindset and a level of mental toughness that I never had when I played in England. And I took that on to playing professionally. And I'll be honest, the basketball in America and the journey through NCAA was amazing. I can't hand on heart say I enjoyed it, but on reflection, it was really amazing and, and it helped shape me as a person who I am today and, and giving that experience back to the kids, the young people, the adults that I work with. is just that, the mental capacity that you need to be successful in the classroom, on the court, even as a professional. That's a whole, again, another level of pressure and mindset that you need to have. I know many people who've gone to America from England and haven't been able to finish their four years and graduate with their degree just because it's too tough or they're not good enough. There's countless stories of that. So people need to be aware, kids need to be aware of how actually difficult it is to do that. And I make no illusions. I, I'm not one of these coaches who will say to, you know, a, a, a talented kid in Birmingham, yeah, I'm going to get you and I'm going to send you to America. Because I actually know how difficult that is because I've been there. And so I have a different perspective on that. I will, I will never limit a kid to tell him what he can or cannot do. What I would do is give him the information that he needs and the tools that he needs to be successful. If he makes it 
to that level where he's good enough to go to the States, then that's a different conversation altogether. But I will never guarantee a kid that because I can't, because it's not about me, it's about them and the commitments that they have and how much work they're willing to put in to be able to be in a position to do that. So yeah, bringing this all back, definitely the American experience has helped shape me as an individual, as a person. But then being a professional was a whole different ball game in terms of pressure, because this is your job. So now basketball isn't just fun, it's performance-based. It's your job is to stay fit, stay in shape, and produce every time you step on the floor. That's your job. And again, that's a whole different mindset to just going out and throwing the ball on the floor and having fun, because now it's work. So imagine going to the gym every day. Here, you'll be desperate to go to the gym. But actually, in my mind, going to the gym is clocking into work. It's a whole different ball game, And that comes with its own pressures. You know, some teams, some teams I played with, what did I play? In Portugal, played for Benfica. Big football club, yeah? So while I was at Benfica, let's say, for example, if the team lost, as in the football team, lost two games in a row, maybe three, then the basketball team wouldn't get paid. And it's as simple as that. And then as soon as, let's say, their stadium, I think, I don't know, has over 100,000. It's a massive stadium. If they won a game and we hadn't been paid for a month or two, then they would literally come down with the cash after the game, bring it to court and pay you there and then in cash. So you, you could be walking home with $30,000, $40,000 just in your bag because you hadn't been paid for a month or two. So it's a whole different ball game because you've got to have the mindset to say, okay, I haven't been paid, but I've still got to produce. Because if I don't, you get sent home. And so that whole American experience gave me the baseline to have that mental toughness to be able to survive in a professional environment. What's the major differences between British basketball and American basketball? Obviously, the kind of setups are different now. What's, what's the things that, if you had to wish this right now, this is the best way to ask him. You had to risk this right now to make British basketball better and more like the American system. What would be at the top of that risk list? If I had a wish list, it would be expertise. So I would want full-time strength and conditioning coach, full-time physiotherapist, full-time psychologist, and even go as far as a full-time doctor as in GP, and obviously access to a facility anytime I wanted. Those would be the five differences I would say that would change your whole program. Because those are the five limiting, I believe, those are massively limited over here because those, unfortunately, there isn't the money involved in basketball here. Let's say over in America, NBA, or even just any kind of college basketball has a level over here as, as football. 
So that you see the money invested in football at all levels here, that's the environment and that's the investment over there in basketball and probably more than football at the top levels. So, yeah, I would say that's, that's the big distinction, the big difference. Facilities, medical staff, supporting staff, 100%. That's the massive difference because you can do so much more prehab stuff, strength work, where you stop players getting injured, basically. And then when they are injured, how quickly you can get them back on the floor. One of the things, the huge things that I noticed the difference was in America, in my environment, in my experience at NCAA, is the amount of support staff they had. The financial investment involved was, I was always blown away in terms of everything I said. If you were injured, how quickly you came back from injury because of the environment. You would walk into a huge building and the building's only purpose is rehab. You know, you would have a, a full-time physiotherapist every practice, every game. Not a, not a sports therapist, a fully qualified physiotherapist. And there's a difference between sports therapy and physiotherapy. You know, you would actually, you would have doctors on site, qualified doctors with a sports speciality background. You know, and when you were injured, trust me, you never wanted to be injured because the amount of work you had to do while you were injured to get back to conditioning was phenomenal. It was just heartbreaking, honestly. Everybody hated to be hurt over there because the workouts they would make you do, obviously once you're in a position where you could work out, were just immense. And so they got you back so quickly and they did so much prehab work so much strength and conditioning. That's the biggest difference between US basketball and English basketball. I would say at the high school level, the, the skill set and the abilities are quite similar up to college level. But when you're going from college to university here in the States, it's just a whole different ball game when you get to university. The professionalism, the skill set of this, you know, all the staff involved, the money involved just changes the whole program. And it's really when you get to university in the States that you really see the difference of the kids at the same age group in this country compared to over there. And that's just because of all the support staff that they have in place. I mean, there are a few universities in England now that offer similar experiences, but you know, you're talking about 95% of the universities in America have been doing this for years and years and years. And whereas we have probably 10, 20% of universities, or well, probably even less than that, who are offering that same level, same caliber of expertise, and financially are in a position where they can have those people in place. Okay, so I think talking about British basketball, I think it's fair to talk about the Commonwealth Games. So they're going right. to be coming to Birmingham in the near future with basketball, in my opinion, being the Premier sport, what kind of impact do you see like basketball having in the region during these Commonwealth Games? You're talking bigger picture stuff, stuff beyond my pay grade at this point. But from the outside looking in, 
I think having the Commonwealth Games here in Birmingham was going to be great for basketball in general, not just for people in Birmingham, but for the whole country. It will bring a lot of tourism here, obviously, and get, you know, get some exposure to the sport. What will come off the back of that, I really can't say. Because, you know, I would ask the question, what came off the back of having the Olympics in London from a basketball perspective? The answer I'll leave to you. But, you know, having the Olympics in London, did that really create mass investment into the sport? That's debatable. So having basketball in Birmingham, is that going to create investment into the sport? We'd have to wait and see. But overall, I think it will be, a, you know, a very special thing. And, a, and I'm looking forward to it, um, to being part of it. And, yeah, just have that, enjoy the experience. Was there a moment in terms of your career that even if it's something like the Commonwealth Games that made you fall in love with basketball, is there one precise moment that you think you can look back at and say, this is when I became a fan, this is when I wanted to start playing basketball? I would say you would have to go back to when I first started to play. At that time, I used to go to school in Birmingham. I'm from Birmingham. So I went to Heartlands High. And I was a footballer, believe it or not. So, yeah, I, I used to play football. And two Americans came from Birmingham Bullets, came to my school, Butch Hayes and Tyrone Shoulders. And they came and obviously, obviously I would learn later on in my career that that was part of their job. But at the time, I felt like, wow, these two American guys have come to our, our little school, our little sports hall, and they've come to me and given, given me attention. For the first time in my life, I realized, actually, it was okay to be tall, because prior to that, I'd always been quite tall and was always treated differently because I was different. And it wasn't until they came and I got exposed to the world of basketball that it felt good to actually stand up straight with your chest out and embrace your height. Whereas previously to that, you know, you would cower a little and try and hide the fact, try and conform and be like everybody else. So I say that was the moment, that particular year that they came, that helped me to embrace and to, and to fall in love with basketball. So that's where my love for basketball started, really. A little question about the Commonwealth Games once again is that it will be free v free basketball not the traditional 5v5. I want to know your thoughts on this and what the future of 5-on-5 basketball is, if whether 3v3 will become its own entity, if that would affect the Euro baskets, obviously, that happen, as well as the Commonwealth Games. I just wanted to get your opinion on what the 3v3 style of basketball is. I do a lot of 3v3 in my programmes because I believe because of the extra space that you have on the floor, you can teach a lot more and you can, you can really use your offensive skill set more because there's less help defense. So we do a lot of that and, and it confirms understanding really. Once you understand how to play three on three, actually playing five on five makes it so much easier. I don't believe, however, that three on three will place traditional basketball. Um, a five on five, three and three has been around a long time. Um, it's always been a niche area. 
gaining more in popularity, to be fair. But I don't see replacing five on five in terms of leagues, in terms of participation around in this country or around the world. I think it will still always have its place of being three on three. And it's something that can be done very quickly and with you know less expense. You have pop-up three on three tournaments all the time. I don't yeah, I, I just don't see it replacing five on five. It doesn't have it would probably have more excitement if it did, but I don't know if you would have the conditioning to, to play three on three for long periods of time. So yeah, I think five on five is just more entertaining. There's a lot more happening. There's a lot more action. And obviously, the more people are engaged, the more fans are engaged, the better the experience. Okay, Steve. And our final question. This is a bit of a tricky one. Looking (laughs) back at your basketball experience, who would you say, if you had to pick a starting five, who would you place in your starting five after the best says either that you played against or you've watched or you played with I mean you played college basketball was there first of all was there anyone interesting when you played college who like played against you Are there any big NBA stars that we might know sure I played against so I was in the when I was in the states Chauncey Billups played against him Lamar Odom Glenn Robinson I think he was the first player in the NBA to get a $100 million contract. So I've been around quite a lot of high-caliber players. But would I put them in my starting five? Yeah. I think I would have to go back to my experience as a junior here in this country because that would be my most entertaining in terms of my fondest memories of when basketball, well, I really you know, started out and was embracing the sport and then just having a good time. And when we as juniors were, or a West Midlands team were, were beating people for fun. Ooh, so my five would be probably people you've never heard of, because none of them still play basketball anymore. Starting at guard would probably be Joey Foster. My other big guy next to myself would be Christian Doherty. And my two wings, my other guard and my wing would be Carlos and Carlton. And, yeah, that era of junior basketball when we were here, West Midlands basketball, was awesome. And in terms of a five that I will always remember, regardless of the guys who I played with, I played with guys who've been ex-NBA players on my team who've been making, you know, three, four million pounds a season. It wouldn't be them because that's a different experience. It would definitely be my junior team from, you know, winning national champions with Birmingham and with the West Midlands back when I was a kid. Well, I think that's a beautiful note to end this interview off. Thank you, Stephen, once again for taking part of this interview. You're welcome, sir. It's been my pleasure. And I hope to be able to come down to a couple of games in the near future when COVID's all over and we can see just how great your academy and the team perform. Awesome. I look forward to it. Always welcome. Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch.